welcome fellow pilots and other podcast listeners to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, Captain David Campbell. Today, we'll be talking about the bid that has posted and is underway currently. We'll talk about what's different and what is the same. And quite frankly, most of it is the same. We'll be talking about seniority and the awarding process of this bid and how seniority will play into that. And let me cut right to the chase. Seniority will be honored and respected. There has been some confusion by the fact that this award will account for pilots who are both flying a regular schedule and those on extended incentive lines. And let me just reinforce that the awarding will happen in seniority order. And we will be speaking about that at length during this episode. I've got the regular cast of characters, uh, your MEC Chairman Will McQuillan, Negotiating Chairman Chris Gruner, Strategic Planning Chairman Ronan O'Donohue, and from the Membership Committee, we have both the Chairman, Will Swoblin, and uh, another member, Chris Mitchell. Chris, I think your voice is, is going to be new to most people, so uh, welcome and say hello. Thanks, David. Yeah, good to have you here. All right. Let's start out with what is familiar about bidding, and and then we'll go on to how this is different. I, I think it's important to point out, David, that actually the only thing that's really different on this bid uh, compared to the last two failed attempts at bids that we've had, right, because they've both been very similar in that they've had reductions that have been posted in the Airbus community and growth in the Boeing side. Um, is the the element of having the uh, extended incentive line pilots who are participants and uh, and treated just slightly differently, um, you know, during this bid compared to the last two that the the company has tried and failed to execute on. So I think that's probably where we want to emphasize some of our our points, right? The bid that's out now has created some confusion among our pilots and some misunderstandings about how it will be processed and whether and how seniority is applied. Essentially, though, nothing has really changed. So, McQuillan, flesh that out. Okay. Yeah, thank you, David. I think the important thing is what you started with is that we've seen, uh, you know, two bids already previously and that that are very much the same, right? They were uh, reduction bids in the Airbus fleet that moved flying uh, or pilots into the, the Boeing fleet. But what is different and probably the things that we need to focus on and concentrate on is that not a whole lot is different, but having the, the added element of having pilots out on extended incentive lines um, I think has created that notion that something is different or that, uh, you know, in some ways something is uh, different in how we're either going to process the bid or how pilots are going to be handled in regards to, um, to their seniority or, you know, with the contract, in fact. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll start by driving home that point is that while we do have EIL pilots, uh, you know, or pilots who are out on the EILs, it really doesn't change much. The process is still completely underpinned by Section 24 of the CBA, um, same process, and the same way that we've always handled, we'll get into it here in a little bit, I guess, uh, our management and non-flying supervisory type pilots, that, that's the language that applies here. And we'll try to flesh some of that out and help pilots have comfort in how the process is supposed to work. Thanks, Will. Swovlin, what is the same? Let's start with that. 
Yeah, uh, almost everything is the same. It's it's a bid with vacancies and reductions. We're going to process vacancies the same way. We're going to process reductions the same way. Uh, you're going to submit your bid uh, via the same you know company web page flight crew admin tab process that you, that you're used to. So this this will look and feel just like every other position bid you've participated in so far. So what's different? Uh, what's different is very slight, actually. When the company publishes a position bid, they attach base position lists that account for folks that are not going to be you know, on the line flying regularly. So base chief pilots, full-time union, um, other supervisor positions, they're, they're taken off so that just the pilots that are on the BPL are the ones that are there flying regularly. This one, because we have so many people in this EIL status, um, because they're subject to 45-day recall and could be coming back sooner than anticipated, um, we decided to publish BPLs with them included. And the whole uh, thought there is that we're giving pilots in that particular base position status uh, eyes wide open in, uh, insight into just how many pilots there are so that they can make a, a fully informed decision instead of thinking they're one of only 75 pilots and then all of a sudden there's 100 pilots in their base position. I think the important thing, and Swoblin and I were talking the other day about this, is you know what are we delivering when someone puts a base qualifier in there and you want you want to give someone the worst case scenario that they could possibly have, not, not you know, if I'm bidding my life and my lifestyle around I need to hold this specific position. Uh, I I would want if I put in a BPL not to find out that 45 days later, 10 extra pilots came in. And now what I was thinking was a good thing now maybe isn't a good thing for me and my family. It's just the normal contractual process, right? Right. The only difference is, is how some of the information is presented. Correct. Yeah, we've we've added to it. We haven't taken anything away. And in particular, uh, the what we're citing and what Gruner is talking about, the contractual process is in CBA at Section 24G5 of how we've always handled pilots who are, you know, very similar to these extended incentive line pilots, right, being carried as extras and how their bids are handled in how we award vacancies and fulfill reductions. Swovelin, would you explain to us how the bid will be a process, especially this one that includes both the vacancies and reductions? Yeah. And the short answer is we're going to process it just like we always do. It's the same old position bid. But specifically, 24E5 is the contractual reference to start digging into if you want to kind of follow along how this works. 24E5A says, you know, the first step is we're going to process this thing in seniority order. That's simple enough. I probably don't have to expand on that. Step two specifically says if we have vacancies and reductions that we have to award vacancies first. And this matters because while this honors this, you know, overall seniority and it also creates a potential to mitigate having to uh, process reductions. So for example, on the bid to 2020 11A that the company just published, you know, for every San Francisco or LA 320 captain or first officer that is awarded a spot on the Boeing, that's one less reduction that we have to process. Um, now, there's a 
process involved in that that has caught some folks by surprise. And I want to expand on that because next step three in the contract says any reduction in a basin status that remain after all the vacancies are filled will be processed as displacements. Now, what that means is you could be awarded a new position during the award phase and then subsequently lose it as reductions are are processed because a displaced pilot can go wherever his or her seniority can hold. And it, it doesn't just matter if there's a vacancy there or not. So, for example, uh, an Anchorage first officer who's awarded an L.A. Boeing captain award during the award phase um, is is considered as as soon as they are granted that award, we start looking at them as an L.A. Boeing captain. Then when reductions are processed, because reductions have to follow vacancy awards, uh, that pilot is looked at as a Boeing LA pilot. And if reductions are required and they can no longer hold that position, they get reduced from the LA captain position, not from their original starting point of Anchorage FO. So the way the contract would work at that point is you would refer back to their bid, say, okay, they can't hold LA captain anymore. Now what do they want to do? And Hopefully, the pilot submitted a bid saying, well, if I can't be a captain anywhere, I'll back it up with my starting position of Anchorage FO, and they would probably end up back there. But if a pilot fails to put enough choices on there or just doesn't put any at all, then we have to go down to 24E6, and that takes pilots on a different trip. And in in the example we're talking about, an Anchorage FO who's awarded an an LA captain spot on the Boeing, if they didn't back it up with an FO bid back in Anchorage, they end up getting downgraded out of their captain seat as an FO in LA because now they started as an LA captain position. So all of this is to stress the fact that everything you put on your bid, you have to look at as if I get awarded and then displaced out of that position, where do I want to go back to? So the bottom line is put everything in order and the way you want it, right? All the way down to the end. Well, and, and Will, to add to that, not only do you need to back it up with your current position, but if you're a very junior captain, you need to back it up with your most desirable position in the event that, you know, God forbid, but you get downgraded. You know, exactly. that's their their current position, let's just say, is LA three twenty captain, but he may not be able to hold that after this is all said and done. So then that pilot needs to recognize that he can go anywhere in the system that his seniority will hold as a first officer. So they need to make sure that if they're at the bottom of the captain list, that they're also backing it up one step beneath their current position. That's right. As we've communicated many times in the past, any bid that comes out with reductions anywhere means if you, if you are relatively junior in your base position and or status you need to consider not only where you want to go but where you're willing to go if you can't even hold on to the position you started the bid with because with reductions comes the ability of pilots to inject themselves into base positions that they otherwise couldn't hold. They're allowed to bid via straight seniority instead of being restricted to bidding via seniority wherever a vacancy exists. And and reductions create the opportunity for pilots to be displaced. Yeah, Will, 
For the sake of clarification, define reduction and displacement. How are those different? Yeah, thanks. Uh, you, you'll see the, the term kind of reduction and displacement thrown about interchangeably, but specifically positions are reduced and pilots are displaced. So the company posted a bid reducing the number of positions in San Francisco and L.A. That will have the effect potentially of displacing pilots from those two positions. But not necessarily, right? Because they could be filled by pilots. Yes, that that's true. Like like I mentioned earlier, you know, for every one of the categories that are subject to reduction. So in, in this base, we're looking at San Francisco and L.A. Airbus positions. The company is looking to reduce positions. During the award phase, for every one of the pilots that finds themselves as a L.A. or San Francisco captain or FO that, that bids out and is awarded a position on the Boeing somewhere in the system, that mitigates the need to, to reduce that position because now that position is gone by way of them, them bidding out. Uh, when we get to the reduction phase, then we have to make sure that we have to count up how many folks – are still remaining that are in excess of the positions that the company has allotted for. And then, and only then, do we start involuntarily reducing and reverse seniority order. Yeah, and in that case, you're you're displacing those pilots because you need to fulfill the uh, reduction in in a way. That's correct. Go ahead, Ronan. Well, yeah, this is something that I actually just have gotten questions on the last few days, and I think it's worth... Um, stop and, and and really explaining what you just talked about. Um, because one of the common things that's just out there that's a misinterpretation mis, um, of our contract is in order to be, to be able to displace somebody, you have to be displaced. So, Correct. I mean, a more senior captain um, can't displace someone i actually i think you know the point that i'm trying to make and you're a lot more articulate and familiar with the language than i am but do you right could you explain that yeah so historically we run we run vacancy bids right the company is growing and they need more pilots in various base positions and statuses you know they need more captains and fos so they run a bid saying you know hey here are the here are the holes we need to fill and it's great because everyone gets to bid for those vacancies and they're awarded via seniority order. If if that vacancy is filled by the time it gets to your particular number on the seniority list, you you don't that that it's not available for you anymore. You don't get to go to that position, right? Reductions a little bit different. If if you get displaced out of your position because of a another pilot coming in to displace you or the company is just reducing your position from where you started up. Now, you don't need to go wherever a vacancy exists. You go wherever your seniority can hold. And if that means you're going to a base that is already full, but you're senior to the most junior person, you go there. And now the most junior person in that base is displaced and we have to turn to their bid to figure out where do they want to go now. So that's why when we say if there's a bid that comes out with reductions posted anywhere, everyone essentially is is at risk. And I think there's another good opportunity here to you, you kind of introduce the subject. Let's talk a little bit about the the million dollar question, who satisfies or who fills a vacancy and who fulfills a reduction, right? Because the notion is 
that uh, it, anybody on the, like our, our EIL pilots, right, our extended incentive line pilots should some way fill a vacancy or satisfy a reduction when we get to them as opposed to just the active pilots. And I think it's important to explain to everybody why it is that that isn't the case, why it is that vacancies are filled by active pilots, non-EIL pilots, and why reductions are uh, processed and fulfilled by active pilots as well and non-EIL pilots. And they're all still done in seniority order, but it's the same process. But I think it's an important thing to, to cover. It is. And, I, Will, I think another way to ask that question is why aren't the R, uh, sorry, why aren't the EIL pilots satisfying the reduction? Right. And the, maybe the better way to look at it is why wouldn't they satisfy the vacancies? It's the same principle. So let's let's walk through this and say that I, I think probably the best way I've found to explain this is that the company posts a vacancy in Seattle. They need 10 pilots in Seattle to fly the December schedule, whatever you want to call it. And that is always satisfied. It always has been by pilots who are available to them to fly that schedule, right? They don't award it to supervisory pilots or union pilots or anybody else who's under uh, that section of the CBA because those are basically invisible flights. They're non-flying pilots. And if you were to allow these, um, you know, EIL participants to fill those vacancies, then you would be subjecting them to a recall, to a 45-day recall in order to fly the schedule. The whole idea is that active pilots fill vacancies so you can actively fly the schedule. And in the same fashion, that you know, the, the reverse has to be true, that when you reduce pilots, you're looking to reduce people into the training cycle, active pilots. And you know, that means that in seniority order, those uh, you know, non-flying EIL pilots would not satisfy that reduction. Yeah, and Will, just as a point of clarification, pilots who are on an EIL, in terms of their employment status, they are active pilots. What we're talking about here is maybe a better way to word it is actively flying. In other words, pilots who are either bidding a monthly schedule and line holders or reserve pilots, but they're here doing work for the company as opposed to those pilots who are out on an EIL. Yes. Sorry. Don't want to confuse that issue. That's a good point. Yes, exactly. Hey, Swove, a lot of people I've talked to over the last few days are really struggling with the fact that when you have 20 reductions in a base, that it can end up going, if it was straight reductions, going to possibly 30, 35 deep. Um, that's the whole concept of the extra, which even though it's existed and it's in our contract, it's never really come into play as much as it is going to in this bid and the next several bids going forward. Can you talk about that? Because that's that's something, something that people are really struggling with. Yeah, and, and understandably, because you know, for your average line pilot, you've never considered this extra term before. So, okay, what does extra really mean? So being an extra means that you own a place or a spot in a particular base position, but you don't occupy an actual vacancy there, right? You're, you're away. In this case, you're away on an extended incentive line. You still have rights to an actual vacancy in that base, in that seat. And at the end of your EIL, or if you're recalled, if that ends up being applicable, you will train and bid as an active line flying pilot in that position. So, for example, if you're out on a 12-month EIL as a San Francisco captain, 
And on this bid, 2020 11A, you're awarded a Seattle captain spot. You will not be leaving your 12 months EIL until the 1st of October 2021 because, well, you're out on an EIL. So next October, your EIL ends and that's when you'll come in and start school on your Boeing transition course. So one thing I want to emphasize is that as of the effective date of the bid, in this case, 1 November 2020, you will be considered a Seattle captain and no longer a San Francisco captain at least as far as awarded last awarded position is concerned. So being an extra does not mean, however, that you are done paying attention to what is going on. As an extra, you are still permitted and in fact uh, highly encouraged to bid in follow-on position bids because you are still subject to being displaced. In the next position bid, uh, if there's a significant change to Seattle captain numbers to continue the example we were talking about before, or uh, even if there's reductions anywhere else, your extra spot, if it's near the junior end of the BPL that you're sitting on now, you still stand the risk of being displaced from Seattle captain. And therefore, you will have to have, again, a complete bid on file. So don't leave yourself exposed to 24E6. Uh, likewise, even though you're an extra category as a Seattle captain, you're free to bid and be awarded a position elsewhere in the system as the company develops their plan and, and comes out with future position bids. So I guess I'd try to summarize by saying you should be thinking, where do I want to be when my EIL is done and then bid towards that goal? I think you just said something that's pretty important there, Will, which is the notion that extras belong to the base, but they're not part of the flying solution, right? And, right. and that's going to become very important when we kind of talk about some of these other questions here about what's the difference between an extra and who fills a vacancy or fulfills a reduction. And it has to focus on who it is that's actually doing the flying in a base. So that, that makes sense to me. I think I understand it. Maybe let me ask it in in this regard. Why don't pilots who are on an EIL satisfy either a vacancy or a reduction? All right. So, David, I guess the way I look at this and the way my brain wraps it around it is um, we look at the active and the vacancies created. We have 10 new vacancies in a base. We need 10 active pilots to fly the, those active vacancies. Right. And in the same way, when you were a reduction is posted, that reflects a reduction in the actual flying that's going to occur in that base. Right. And so you need to reduce the active pilots by that many because that much flying is going away. Uh, maybe a, a concise way to say it is that like in this case, which, again, is exactly the same way we've handled our paper extras or our supervisory pilots you know, in the contract, is they're essentially invisible pilots, right? There's still pilots in that base, but they're invisible. Invisible pilots can't do flying when there's growth vacancies. And when flying goes away, invisible pilots don't count towards the goal of, you know, that flying disappearing. Yeah. And that was the intent of the negotiations as well. Um, Cause the bottom line is, uh, is that the uh, pilot staffing wasn't matching the actual flying that was going on. And that was a problem. So this gives us a way to do that on a voluntary basis, to match that pilot staffing on a voluntary basis to the actual flying, uh, rather than having the company do it via involuntary means. 
Yep. And, and if you were to satisfy vacancies uh, with EIL participants and, you know, like I said, invisible pilots, you'd have to recall them in order to accomplish that flying. And the whole idea is to be able to allow people to have that certainty, that time off, uh, you know, as much as they can for the EIL duration. Like Chris said, that was that, that was the intent. And it's kind of a practical way that the, the language works, too. Well, one of the questions I have, and I know it's been brought up a number of times by our pilots as well, is, and it relates to the fact that you mentioned there have been two other bids that have been subsequently canceled, and each of those had pilots who are awarded new positions. How will those pilots be handled? You're right. That is a frequent question, and and much as we'd hope it shouldn't be, it is. Um, Pilots who are in limbo, and it's not a small number of them from these previous bids, have, uh, we've been told twice now consistently that they will be given the option if they're able to bid and hold a uh, their original position, their awarded position that they're currently uh, being unwound from on this current bid, that they'll be given the option of being able to train for either a short course to complete the training that they've already done, if it's uh, applicable, allowed, or they can complete the entire training course. And regardless, it should be per the CBA in uh, seniority order of the uh, the bid award. That's what we know. So, so I make sure I understand this completely. And for my example, because I'm I'm number three from the bottom in Los Angeles. There's we're looking at twenty reductions in LA, um, in the Airbus, and in that scenario, to get twenty deep of active pilots, and if nobody senior bids this, let's just say it goes straight reductions. And so I want to make sure I'm thinking about this correctly. To get 20 reductions, there's 13 people on EIL, so that could end up being 33 getting taken out of the base. Is that is that am I in the right place? It it, it is, yeah, that, that's possible. And I, I think what was initially being discussed is you know what it means to have a reduction. And I guess let me give a little color on actually who gets displaced. So the company determines the staffing numbers that they need in their bases, and they use position bids to address those needs. So with 2020-11A that they just put out, they've determined that they need 80 fewer pilots on the A320 uh, than they have overall, and they're reducing those positions. But they're also adding 80 vacancies on the 737. So at the end of the bid, everyone has a home. Everyone has a place to land. The more complicated part now is figuring out who goes where and why. So after the award phase of the bid is processed, any outstanding reductions that need to be addressed uh, will have to be processed. And reductions are done, again, in reverse seniority order in each status. That's right out of the contract, 24E5C, uh, step three. Now, with pilots on EIL in all these different bases having to be accounted for as well, the total number of displaced pilots from this bid could vary significantly, what Ronan was just alluding to, because EIL pilots don't fulfill a position reduction requirement. They're not actually here right now. So with this in mind, if a position has to be reduced and a pilot on EIL doesn't fulfill that reduction, we have to climb the base position list in reverse seniority order to find the first non-EIL pilot uh, that we come to, and then that pilot is displaced, which satisfies the reduction requirement. Along with that non-EIL pilot being displaced, 
goes all of the EIL pilots that are junior to that non-EIL pilot. So, for example, the bottom three first officers on the Airbus in L.A., uh, again, for example, consist of a non-EIL pilot and then two junior EIL, two, two junior pilots to that non-EIL pilot that are that are out on some duration of EIL. So we have a, a non-EIL pilot and two EIL pilots. If the company is left with having to reduce one more FO from that position, then they're going to have to go up the list to the first pilot who's still here flying, and it's that non-EIL pilot, and displace him from his position. And along with him will go the two other first officers who are junior to that pilot. Now, it's not the end of the world because everyone has their seniority rights and will be processed according to the contract. So that that non-EIL pilot will go back to his uh, reduction bid, say, well, you can't hold the position you were in originally. Where do you want to go next? And the same will be done for the two junior pilots that are out on an EIL as well. So I think one of the points that you're, you're making there, Will, is that even though the EIL pilots are reduced, it's still they're being reduced in seniority order. Their seniority could not have held their existing position. Right. Correct. Seniority is fully respected in this case. Right. It's worth adding in there, too. That's why I guess it's just essential that the EIL pilots are paying attention during their leaves and making sure that they're bidding. Otherwise, they are going to go for that um, 24E6 process. Yeah, I think that's important. I think uh, you can really, uh, by not paying attention here, I think uh, you can really end up in some spots maybe you don't want to be. So back to what McQuillan told us when he did our membership, you know, our new hire days, bid what you want and want what you bid. And if you want to be a LA320 captain, bid LA320 and then follow it up with everything else subsequently that that you personally want. But that's different for each individual pilot. And you just really need to weigh and understand the mechanics of it. Not understanding the mechanics here are, are what can hurt you. And we've seen that processing the bids we can look at these things and go, man, I think this is what this person was trying to do. And we can't guess for you. We have to give you what you bid. Right. And you have to follow the contract as you do that. Right. Correct. And I'm sorry, I keep saying we, I should be saying the company. Right. Let's talk about that for a second. What is the membership committee's role in processing these bids? Yeah. The actual obligation to process the award is it's the company's job to do it. Uh, and, and that falls down to flight crew administration, Diane Myers, to, to process the awards. Uh, we have a very good working relationship with flight crew admin. So the membership committee participates and assists flight crew admin in, in processing the bids. But I, I have to stress, it's it's not ALPA that runs these things. It's a company function. We're just helping out because we, well, essentially, we're the ones that live and die with these things. Yeah, I think it's fair to say you have a little bit more of a vested interest in the outcome of, of these bid awards. It is important to understand how the contract works so that as you place your bid, you, you understand what you're actually asking for. And that's particularly important when there are vacancies and reductions. And Ronan, you've, you've 
found some interesting scenarios on that. Yeah, I, I was, you know, the first time I attended, or I attended a, one of the award days um, with Swob and his team, I was amazed at how dangerous it is if you're not backing up. I know, I know Swob talked about it earlier on, but I don't know if Mitchell or Swoban wants to take the take this, but it's really, I was shocked at watching how a first officer can wake up one morning having never bid a first officer position in another base and end up there by the end of the day. And I don't know, Chris, do you want to take that, Mitchell? Or- sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess this is where we talk about uh, that full defensive bid, bid everything you're looking for. If you, uh, if you're going to be awarded a vacancy and potentially you will be a junior captain in that vacancy. Your vacancy is not safe. That that uh, captain position that you have just been awarded is now your current position. And through reductions, someone can come and displace you from that current position. So please, when you're submitting your bids, give us your list from, from your number one wish to your number last wish, and at least we can get you to a place that's acceptable for you. And if I can, because it bears repeating, when you start the bidding process, we're going to look at, okay, what is your present position? And, you know, the the example we've used before is you're an Anchorage FO, but this could apply to anyone. There's a starting place that you begin from. If you are awarded a new position, that becomes your new awarded position. And then later, if we have to do reductions, we're going to look at you from that new awarded position, not where you started off. So your bid needs to account for the fact that you might be, if you're a captain, you might be awarded a captain position in a new base or hell on a new piece of equipment. And then if reduction still exists and displacements are required, we will look at you from that initially awarded position not the one you started at the day prior so if what you're saying is if i want to upgrade i'm a first officer i want to upgrade so i put in for the upgrade in every base that's available and i end up being say i'm an anchorage first officer and ideally i'd like to be an anchorage captain but i can't hold the anchorage captain and i get awarded a uh, la captain position for example but i'm now i'm the most junior la captain now, when you get to reductions, if you have to reduce that position, that junior captain position in L.A., and I haven't put in a, a request beyond that, it's going to follow the contract. Right. And so, yeah, if, if you want to look at the contract on how this all works, it's it's 24E6. So in, in the example here, if you started off as an FO, you were awarded an L.A. Boeing captain position. But you're super junior. You're num- you're you're the most junior LA captain and potentially the most junior captain. If reductions come along and y- you can't hold that LA captain position because remember reductions are processed in straight seniority order, which would mean someone senior to you is coming in and displacing you out of your recently awarded position. Now we look at your bid, preferably. But the problem is some folks have not had a bid on file other than, oh, I bid for captain. And so in this situation, we would look and go, well, can we send you to another domicile to maintain your status? Meaning where else can I send you to keep you a Boeing captain? 
Well, if you're the most junior captain, there is nowhere else I can send you. So then I would drop to C, third option, and that's in the next lower status in your current equipment in base. And this is where guys uh, uh, tend to get surprised is, remember, you're not the Anchorage FO anymore. Now you're an L.A. Boeing captain. But if you can't hold L.A. Boeing captain and there's nowhere else for you to go as a captain – you become a first officer in your base and your base is LA. So you would be downgraded in base. I know a lot of people have the assumption that, oh, if they can't hold the upgrade, they just go back to where they started from in this example, an Anchorage captain. But for that to factually be true, the pilot would have to have Anchorage FO underneath all of their captain upgrade choices and then we could send them there assuming their seniority can still hold it and by all rights it should but if they don't bid anchorage fo then they're leaving themselves open to contract language 24e6 and not necessarily where they where they think they're going to end up yeah i think that's the real takeaway from this conversation i mean this particular part of the conversation is if you are bidding an upgrade back it up with if you can't, if you get displaced out of the upgrade, where do you want to be in a, an FO? Yeah. And again, just look at every preference of your bid is if I can't hold that, where do I want to go next? And then if I can't hold that one, where do I want to go next? All the way down until your last choice, where at that point it, you, you're left with what you're left with. But hey, that's the seniority system. So one of the, one of the common questions we get hit with or one of the common questions of I also hear is with the EIL has been awarded so heavy in the Airbus, why is there a need to still reduce it? Well, Ronan, I think probably the easiest way to do is look at it. First of all, is what were the early outs and the RAILs and uh, the EILs designed to do? And they were designed to adjust the size of the active flying force to the size of the airline. Uh, based on what they see demand and recovery looking like. And you know, then the issue of needing to further go and, uh, I guess in the company's eyes, accomplish a fleet transition and move uh, pilots from the Airbus to the Boeing, that still exists as kind of a separate problem in their eyes. And that's why they're continuing to uh, to make those fleet adjustments. They still have flying in that fleet and that flight, that flying and that balance of flying between it and the Boeing um, is going to change for them. And, and hence that's what drives the reductions in the fleet realignment and why we'll still see it. Uh, you know, the, the early outs and the program itself was designed to address one problem. And this is sort of a separate one, if that makes sense. If things turn around a little faster than expected and they need to recall, what is that going to look like? Well, for starters, the, the process is prescribed in terms of the order, and they will start bringing pilots back from the shortest extended incentive line duration, moving then from there to the longer duration. So shorter to longer, offered in seniority order voluntarily, and then uh, once they reach the bottom of that list, then they recall in reverse seniority. So that that's what that looks like. I guess the, the question that we frequently get is, if I'm you know, awarded a transfer and I was an LA pilot and now I'm an EIL pilot who has been, uh, you know, awarded in a bid, um, a Seattle position. Am I in the Seattle EIL buckets? Yes. Yes, you are. And so you would be recalled when flying in that base dictates that they would need 
you back. So that is probably one thing to consider when you place your your bids in the bidding process is that you'll be moving as an EIL pilot from one you know base position to another and possibly uh, changing your your recall prospects if flying picks back up right. So just just kind of a minor point to be carried. Um, the other one that I think we frequently hear is like if an uh, extended incentive line, if any EIL pilot is recalled back to a base, would that cause a displacement of another pilot, the most junior pilot in that base? And the answer is no, they are an extra. So they're just recalled back. So just to add a little bit to what uh, McQuillan just said is a pilot recalled from an EIL gets recalled to their last awarded base position. So once you're back from an EIL, that pilot does not cause another junior pilot in that base position to get displaced. The pilot either fills a vacancy if they're brought back in conjunction with a position bid, or they're just carried as an extra in that base position until the next uh, position bid is run. What happens if a um, an FO upgrades and he's on the EIL? Well, then he has the he has the ability to come in early, right? And train for that position. Otherwise, he gets paid as an FO. Okay, so he can hold a position and not occupy it then just stay out on his EIL, but on an FO salary, correct? Correct. Yeah, that choice is the pilots in that case. Conversely, if a captain is downgraded, what happens then? So then if the captain uh, gets downgraded to an FO, then he has a choice. Um, he can stay on the EIL and get paid 50 hours at FO rates, or he can uh, choose to return to the line and uh, fly a full schedule at his awarded position. So, Swole, earlier on, I gave you an example with LA um, where a 20 could end up in 33 reductions. Does that mean that 33 vacancies then would be added, or, or how does that work? If, after processing awards, there remains a need to process reductions, and in your example, 20 have to be reduced, then the 20 most junior LA320 captains that are not on EIL will have their positions reduced, causing displacements to other bases of those 20 pilots and, to continue your example, 13 captains who are out on EIL. So in total, 33 captains are headed elsewhere. The 20 non-EIL captains will end up on another BPL per their bids, as non-EIL or flying positions wherever their seniority can hold. The other 13 who are by definition no longer senior enough to hold LA320 captain will be placed per their bid in new base positions and carried as extras there. So those 13 don't cause a bump and flush scenario. All of this will be done by a seniority and in no scenario does a more senior pilot face a reduction or a displacement while a more junior pilot stays an LA320 captain. That's not how this program works. That's not how seniority works. In the end, the company has satisfied their needs to have flying pilots in the base positions where they're needed, and all affected pilots have had a say in where they land that allows for the absolute minimum of further displacements and forced downgrades. And But if 13 of them are EIL pilots that were reduced... If those thirteen pilots take one of the or take vacancies in the award process, they're also just on paper then too, correct? So that doesn't take a, a vacancy away. Well, hold on, we're mixing up because EIL pilots don't take vacancy awards. So what we're talking about here is we're in the reduction phase of a bid. We're reducing non-EIL pilots. 
we have additional EIL pilots that reside between those two, where are they going to go? And they'll go to wherever they can hold via their reduction bid and be carried as extras in that base. So they don't take a vacancy. Correct. So I have two questions about being on an EIL and then getting awarded a new base, essentially, whether I requested it or was displaced into it. So first of all, do I have to come back to be an active pilot when I get that change? Yeah, so if you're awarded a different base while you're on an EIL, you will not um, come back. So uh, there's no provision for you to choose to come back at that point, and the company doesn't do an automatic recall. So they still have to go through the normal recall process, which, uh, like Will said earlier, you know, is based on seniority, offering it, and then forcing it in reverse seniority. And each of those uh, is going to be based on um, your, your base position. So what they're going to do when they recall is they're going to look at anybody who's currently awarded a, a specific base position, uh, you know, so that's base seat and equipment, look at the shortest length, and start bringing people back in that bucket. So if you started as a San Francisco first officer, you've then been uh, displaced or awarded out, whatever you end up with a uh, Seattle first officer, then your recall is going to happen in Seattle. Well, that kind of goes to my second question, which is those recalls are base specific. They don't exhaust every single six month EIL. Instead, it's based on um, filling in the base requirements that they have. Yeah, they're going to have to, uh, you know, tap every six-month EIL in a base position before they move to the next length. But you're correct. It's, they don't have to do every six-month one system-wide just within that base position before they move to the next uh, shortest length in that particular base position. Yeah, so it's possible that you've got 12-month EIL pilots recalled while elsewhere there's six-month guys that are still out and gals. Correct. And... It's also uh, important to note here that uh, your training and your per diem is going to be based on the last position that you are qualified in. So when you go out on an EIL, that is going to set the marker for whether or not you receive that training hotel or per diem when you finally do go through training when you're released from the EIL. Well, this has been a lot of information. And Gruner, if, if you could summarize everything that we've been talking about in, in just a phrase, what would you say? Yeah, so the bottom line, David, is that um, any movement on this position bid will be based on your seniority, no matter whether you're on an EIL or not. But if you are on an EIL, then you will not fulfill either a vacancy or a reduction. Uh, okay, well, thank, thanks all of you for coming in today. Thanks, David. Again, thank you. That's been a lot of information. Um, all, to both of the wills, Swoven, we'll start with you. Any any final bits of advice before we close? Yeah, I know many have heard this before, and anyone who's sat through one of the Alpa Day new hire briefs has heard, you know, bid what you want, want what you bid. And I suppose from here on out, we should amend it is know what you bid. Yeah, that that is absolutely the perfect way to, to put it. We've always said that, and I think that sometimes people tend to, either grossly overthink their strategy 
when they're dealing with a position bid or grossly underthink their strategy. And uh, both points are really relevant here. This The system's designed to respect your seniority, as Chris Gunner said so well. So you really just need to exercise your seniority fully to bid for what you want in ascending and descending order defensively. Um, and then, as Will just alluded to, take the extra five seconds to to review your bid and make sure that it accurately reflects your wishes. And that, that kind of goes along with we see things sometimes uh, with the bid output file that indicate that people really haven't looked carefully at it. So if you have questions about how to use the, the BP qualifier or you have questions about whether or not your bid is accurate and, and looks good, call, call or reach out to the membership committee. They do an excellent job of answering questions and making sure that, that what you're doing is going to help yourself and not hurt yourself. Always good advice. Well, this concludes another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. Thank you for listening, and until next time, I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, Captain David Campbell.